You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, Hopefully, all of you guys are tagged out or working on becoming tagged out or have gotten the buck or are trying to fill your freezer or whatever it is that you're trying to do. I am sending good vibes out to you that uh, you are getting the job done in whatever state that you're hunting, whether that's the south, the northeast, the west, you know, right here in the Midwest. Uh, there are still a lot of guys out there grinding, or some guys honestly haven't even started uh, their their rut vacations yet. And uh, man, I'm really pushing for all of you guys to find success. But we're gonna take a a quick step away from the rut hunting strategy and tactics that we've been covering the last couple episodes, and I wanna I wanna focus a little bit towards the conservation side of things and that's why today I brought on Nick Penizzato. He is the the CEO of the new organization between the National Deer Alliance and the uh, Quality Deer Management Association and um, they they formed this new organization and uh, he, he was on a while ago where we talked about you know uh, uh, when it was first announced, but now they have, they've come up with a name and you'll hear what that name is here, uh, very shortly, or you could just read the title of this episode, but it's, a it's an episode about what's going on, what's happening within that organization right now. This is a really quick, um, uh, a really quick episode. It's about 30 minutes, so a little over 30 and I wanted to keep it short so you guys could quickly consume it, uh, 
and then get back into the 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 rut hunting strategy and tactics but i'm telling you right now man uh this organization is going to be doing some awesome things because I think what they're doing is they're taking all the positive things from the National Deer Alliance and all of the positive things from the Quality Deer Management Association. They're mashing them together. And now we have this new organization that is really going to be white or deer focused, not necessarily just whitetail focused, but deer focused and the the laws the rules the regulations focused as well and uh we got the blue collar guy and we also got the white collar guy all fighting for our right to hunt uh fighting for the the herd health the the resource itself and when you get all of those things kind of mashed together it's just a win-win scenario so uh, i'm hoping that uh, you guys enjoy this episode i don't want to take up too much of your time today so uh, we're going to do a quick commercial vortex optics man um they're around my neck every hunt my binoculars whether it's out west whether it's in a tree stand whether it's for elk mule deer or whitetail or you know even when i was up in michigan the spotting scopes when i'm out in south dakota and out west the binos come along with me (laughs) everywhere i beat the shit out of my equipment and when you beat the shit out of your equipment and they still continue to work that's a big thing but let's say you beat the shit out of your equipment a little too much and they break well the vortex warranty allows you to turn those back in whether you break your range finder or your spotting scope or your binoculars you send it back into them they fix it and then they send it back to you for free there's no charge so um, that is, it's almost like you always have a new pair of binoculars on standby. And uh, I've had to use that warranty two times on my Vortex binoculars. And I'll tell you right now, they come back working like a brand new pair of binoculars. So not only do you, is the warranty very important, but the people who work there are participants in the activity. So whether it's, you know, the, the people who love rifling, right? They, they love shooting their guns or guys like me who are straight up hardcore bow hunters. Um, they make equipment and they market to that crowd because they are that crowd. So you can call them up with a question and they're going to know what you're talking about. It's just not someone looking in a handbook trying to figure out the best possible uh, answer to your question. The guy or gal who, who sits there and answers the phone does what you're doing and will be able to find an answer to whatever problem you have so customer service awesome products awesome warranty and it's just it's just an uh, an awesome company and it's a win-win for not only the company obviously because they make great products but for you the end user because it keeps you a lifelong customer and um and just not enough not enough time to tell you all the good things about vortex optics so if you're in the uh, if you need a spotting scope a range finder binoculars rifle scopes red dots whatever go to vortexoptics.com these guys have a ton of great uh, optics for whatever you need uh, vortexoptics.com and now let's get into today's episode with nick penizzato in three two one all right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Nick Penizzato. Nick, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Dan. Good to hear from you as always. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I tell you what, I am sitting here tagged out. My buck tag is full here in Iowa, and there's 
a little part of me who wishing who who wishes it wasn't full. So because I I want to I'm seeing everybody out hunting still and I'm back in daddy daycare mode. I know that feeling. Uh, the, the the chase is always always seems to be on in your mind. Like you always know. Even when you tagged out, there's another deer out there you were watching or another setup you wanted to try. And it's sort of this empty feeling. But I, I got to remind you, Dan, I, I believe you still have a Michigan tag. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best so joke I've heard all out. day. <laughs> uh, here's a funny story, though. The last morning walking into my Michigan, uh, into my Michigan hunt, I dropped, I didn't know this until I got back to my truck, but I dropped a hooded sweatshirt full of, and that had my tags zipped up in it. And I always put that hoodie up on when I get to the stand and, uh, I get back to my truck and I'm just like, Oh, where'd my, where'd my hoodie go? Where'd my hoodie? It had my tags in it. And luckily it was the day that I ended up leaving, but so somewhere on some Michigan public land, there is a Sitka apex hoodie with my ta- my tags and license, Michigan tags and license in it. So, well, that's the kind of move that uh, that I would do. I'm as clumsy <laughs> and forgetful. Um, as a matter of fact, and I know Ozonix is a sponsor of yours, and you you and I had a conversation before I bought one. When I left the tree this morning, the tree I intend to go back to this afternoon, I, I took a look back to see how my back cover was. And there's my ozonic still up in the tree. Oh, and I dang. thought, you know what? I'm just going to leave it there. And if someone comes and finds it, good for them. So there you have it. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. There's been a couple times where I'm doing some running gun move. I get up there. I, you know, I, I'm think I saw a big buck or I saw some deer movement and I'm just strategizing in my head as I'm taking my tree stand down for the evening or for the morning. And I look up in the tree, and I'm just like, oh, my God. And my Ozonics is still up there running. So what do I got to do? I got to put the whole tree stand back up again and try to, you know, get it down and bring it down. So I think we've all yep. I think we've all been there before some of those brain fart moments. I think you're right. So how has your rut been in PA so far? Well, this morning, uh, in, I'll give these in order of appearance. I saw a spike, a two-point half rack, and a one-point half rack. Uh, so uh, they kept getting smaller. I can only assume <laughs> that the next deer was going to be a button buck. Um, but, you know, it's uh, I, I'm, I don't mean to pick because there are some good deer around. There are a couple that I've been watching for a while. And uh, you know how, how the rut is. You just have to you have to be patient. You have to put your time in. And uh, they have to cruise by you. Yeah. And so I don't. I don't mind the young buck show. I just enjoy being out there and uh, getting the fresh air and participating in it. So. Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's it's to the point that cold front that you just had that come through the Midwest hit here last night. We had an all day rain yesterday, and so I really feel like the next uh, forty eight to seventy two hours is is going to be key for us here. So are you hunting on a piece of property like that's public or is it private? Have you had trail cameras out this whole year? Is there a, is there a specific deer you're trying to get in contact with this year? Yeah. So I hunt uh, primarily, well, I'll hunt some public land. 
around here, but also I uh, primarily hunt two private properties, but they're, they're, they're sort of private slash public. Anybody can hunt on them. Right. They're not really closed. Um, but they, uh, yeah, I've, I've certainly got, uh, I've, I would say three, four, four bucks that are, uh, three and a half or better, which around here is pretty good. Um, you know, we're not, I'm not sorting through, you know, one forties to one eighties, like you would be in Iowa, <laughs> but, but you know, a one thirty, a one thirty ish, uh, three or four year old here is, is quite a trophy deer. And so, um, you know, I've got a couple, I think that are in that range and, uh, they're fun to hunt. And, uh, so yeah, I, I'm excited to, to get out there and chase them and, whether or not I catch up to them or not, uh, we'll find out. But yeah, I run a lot of cameras and a lot of mobile cam- or, uh, wireless cameras, so I can just kind of keep track of what's going on. And so, it's it's fun to chase them, that's for sure. Yeah. So we're we're getting ready as me and you talk right now, and this is going to be launched on Monday. Oh, uh, uh, I think the let's see, thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth. We're getting ready to enter that second stage of the rut or the second real week of November here. And my question to you is if you were to pick one, only one of those weeks, the first week or the second week to hunt PA, what would you choose? Boy, that's tough because I like them both for different reasons. Um, the first week, if you've got a decent pattern on a deer, like if you have an idea of where he's betting and where he, uh, where he wants to get to, uh, you want to, you want to take advantage of that because once, once you can't pattern anymore, uh, it makes it a lot tougher. So I would say strategically, if I knew where there was a deer at, I would say that first week. But if you're someone that you're poking and hoping, basically, you're just getting out there and you want to have a chance at seeing a deer, and especially an older deer. Matter of fact, the biggest buck I ever killed, I killed uh, what would be what would be that week after people think of that traditional best rut time. So uh, these are these are mature deer coming off of does that they may have been with for a few days and trying to find the next one. Yeah, that can be a fantastic time for older deer in particular. Oh yeah, and I'll tell you, based off of my trail cameras and based off of my experience just sitting in the timber, I have captured more mature deer on trail camera and had, uh, I guess, encounters or see them on their feet from a tree stand after the fifteenth of. November that that next five days is for some reason when all the big dogs turn into the dumb three-year-olds and they're just nose down walking they've all been running around chasing does for the last two weeks so they're tired they're they turn into those zombie deer that we like to call and yeah uh, so there's definitely still hope out there for guys who haven't uh, sealed the deal yet Absolutely. Yeah. Stay patient out there. And you, you have to always, always tell people this. Don't blow your chance because you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself. and oh, yeah. think your odds are low. You have to assume that every minute could be the minute. Yeah. So it can happen. Absolutely. Are you an all day guy? You know what? I retired from that. <laughs> <laughs> I did too, man. I did too. The only the only way I would be an all day guy now is if like, let's say I went out this morning and all of a sudden one of the deer I wanted to shoot at came in embedded near me. Yeah. I, I wouldn't leave the stand. I'd sit there all day and wait on him. But otherwise um, I, I find Dan that number one, I've had very little success in that middle part of the day over the years. 
I get tired. I think you really build up a real scent cone around you being in one spot for that long. And so I've just found, even if it's just to get down and grab a sandwich and move to another tree, that, that works better for me. Yeah. I'll tell you, man, I am like a three-year-old when it comes to sitting in a tree stand. I just don't have the patience. Like if I could, when, and I am in control of, you know, how I hunt and where I hunt, but I rarely like to sit past 9.30-ish, 10 o'clock. If, if there's good deer movement, I may stay to, till 11, but after that, I'm done. Like, uh, it's time to eat, it's time to move, it's time to stretch my legs. So I just don't have the patience that a lot of people have when it's time to sit all day. And like from a, I'm also a numbers guy, so statistics really sh- – you're going to have your best opportunity in the morning or in the evening. And yes, people have been successful shooting these random cruiser bucks uh, at one o'clock or noon, uh, you know, and I guess I'm not willing to find out. It's not worth it for right. that 2% chance. Right. I agree. Absolutely. So uh, what was the other state? Delaware, right? Uh, fill us in on this, yep. uh, this Delaware hunt. Cause it looks like you found some success. Yeah. Yeah, I killed a really good deer out there last Thursday. Uh, it was it was during that time we're all dealing with that stinking wave of warm weather. And, of course, you go out, Delaware is right on the coast. As a matter of fact, I'm hunting about 15 minutes from Ocean City, Maryland. Wow. Um, so you're, you're hunting deer on the beach. And so it's always a little warmer there on top of everything else. But, uh, yeah, poking around the swamps in there, a lot of nice older deer. I've been hunting there for a number of years now. And, um was able to get in really time and thoroughly hunting and standing water. Uh, so when I say swamp out there, it's really most of it is standing water. Uh, probably the majority of it would be about calf high for us, but there are some deeper pools. And I was really getting right into the water because these deer weren't, weren't showing themselves in daylight. So I had to get in where they were and I was able to get one uh, sneaking back into his bed Thursday morning, about 6:45 in the morning and ended up with a, 13 yard shot on him really good deer um i'll i'll get an age on him but he's four or five years old uh, 11 11 points and uh yeah i just rough scored him out there i'm not a big score guy it doesn't mean anything to me but i was curious and he was uh about 156 so whoa i was i was really pleased yeah i was really pleased with him wow the pictures look deceiving because I'll, I'll be honest with you i didn't think it looked that small i, I knew he had some great brow tines or th- that big but I knew he had some great brow tines, but that's a stud buck, man. Yeah, I was like I said. I mean, it's hard to. Everyone goes to the west. I go to the. I go to the east. <laughs> so when people are like, "Oh, you shot that where?" Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good state. The swamp is a tough spot to hunt, and and you can't, you can never get to all the deer in there, and I, that's why I like it. And Delaware is a very small state, so there's not a lot of opportunities. So if you have a spot, that's great. Um, and so, yeah, so that yeah, was, it was good. I me, loved it. It was great. Let me ask you a little bit about that because I don't know if I've ever talked with somebody who, who lives and hunts in Maryland. What, what attracts you to Maryland to go and hunt when, when there's so many other opportunities out there? Yeah, well, I'm actually in Delaware, so. Oh, you live in Delaware. Um, right on. No, no, I, I live in Pennsylvania, but okay. I, I did, where I hunt is in Delaware, but it's, yeah. it's pretty close to the Maryland border. Um, so it's a, it's a couple things. Number one, it's camaraderie. I've got a, a good friend out there. 
who introduced me to that type of hunting a while back. He manages uh, some land out there, uh, manages the swamp for his job. So he's really into habitat and conservation. And so, you know, I believe me, I love the deer hunt. I love hunting bigger deer, but I also like the big picture of it. I like the management of it. I like the conservation aspect of it. And so you get all that out there. And so it's, it's an easy drive uh, from where I live about five hours and it's unique. You know, I've, I've hunted all over the country. I've been blessed that way. You know, I've done the Midwest thing. I've, I do the Eastern mountains thing here in Pennsylvania and now the swamps. And it is a completely uh, sort of different and unique style of hunting. You know, when you're hunting in the Midwest and you're in those fence rows and pinch points and you hear the leaves crunching, it gets you excited. Well, out in the swamp, you hear water splashing. And I got to tell you, it makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. I feel you. You have no idea what's going to come wandering out of that swamp. And uh, that was kind of the case for me on Thursday. You hear the water splash and you look out and you see a lot of antlers coming your way. Yeah. So yeah so yeah. is there any terrain features like hills or drain drainages or ridges or is it mostly just like flatness yeah i'm smiling as you ask that question because the first couple of years i hunted out there my friend ron he would talk about hunting the ridge and so i'm like there's there is no ridge within 100 miles of here <laughs> but a ridge yeah not not like ridges like we have in pennsylvania right and uh, so anyway, a ridge out there would literally be a two-foot elevation change because you know, you're at sea level. So yeah. you have all this standing water, and then you have these what, what, what they refer to as ridges. And, you know, in a deer's world, it's kind of the perfect environment because they trudge through that water, and they just find a few little high spots to bet on. There's no way a predator, human or otherwise, can get, under, get in on them without them knowing. Right. So it's uh, it's a pretty unique environment. So then – when it comes to where these deer are living, you know, they're walking through standing water, but are they betting on little knolls or on edges that are, are dry or what's their daily routine? What are they eating? What are they, what are they doing? So there's a lot of agriculture out there. Um, so people, I don't, I'm not sure when, when you tell someone, tell me what you think of when you hear Delaware, they might say chicken farming, but it, it, literally, Dan, if I took you out in the middle of Delaware and didn't tell you where I was taking you and, and, and took off your blindfold, you would you would probably tell me you were in the Midwest somewhere. Okay. Uh, a, a lot of agriculture, um, smaller wood lots, uh, a lot of fence rows. So you got corn, soybeans. Uh, where we hunt, uh, there's a couple of sizable grain farms nearby, so that they're going out there to feed for the most part. Um, and then there's, you know, there's oaks and, and whatnot in the swamp too. So a lot of food in there. Um, so yeah, they're still going out and, and hitting the ag uh, and then they got a little bit of feed interior. And as far as bedding goes, yeah, anywhere there's a tree or a group of trees, there's a little bit of high ground there. And so the deer will get in and bed on those pieces of high ground. And as a matter of fact, the tree I decided to climb in when the, when the sun started coming up, I looked below me and saw there was a fresh bed right under me. It, it almost makes me wonder as close as that buck got, if that might not have been his bed. Yeah. And so it's just sort of the kind of hitting the lottery, I guess, more than anything else. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. I, as much as I like big mature bucks, I also like new experiences. And that's part of the reason why I liked, uh, you know, going to Michigan so much is because it was, it was a different experience. And, um, one of these days I may have to get out there 
and try some of this East Coast hunting. And I mean on the coast type hunting. I got a another guy who's been on the podcast from uh, New Jersey, and he hunts relatively close to the ocean. And you know, like in in retrospect to everybody on the East Coast is like with a within a hundred miles from the ocean, right? So, um, yeah. So, yeah, just a a real interesting type terrain, real interesting, just, I don't know. I I wonder if there are any bow hunters out there who actually have a tree stand set up on a beach that overlooks the Atlantic ocean. (laughs) There there probably is somebody and that would, that would be a pretty cool setup. Right. Watch the the waves crash and stuff. Exactly. No, and I've been, I've, I've followed every step of the way on your Michigan trip and how you talked about it. And it's been really good because I think you are through your experience, you've been able to tell a lot of other hunters, some of the things that, um, that I would, that I tell people obviously without the audience, but, and that is, it's, it's a very different world. Right. Uh, the deer hunting that, that you do in Iowa that I used to do in Ohio versus the deer hunting we do in Pennsylvania and, and Michigan and a number of other high pressure States. So, right. I think it's been good for people to hear that. Absolutely. That's a fact, man. So, Nick, you're the CEO of the the merged QDMA and National Deer Alliance uh, organization. So, and recently, you guys, uh, you know, over the last however many months, you guys have been together coming up with the idea for, for the new names. It sounds like you have one now. So why don't you let everybody know what this new, the name of this new organization is and uh, what you guys have been doing and, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you are looking to accomplish in the next, you know, months or year or whatever? Yeah, we've been, we've been very hard at it. Uh, you, you had, uh, had us on the show uh, a while back, we first announced that we were doing this merger, and uh, on November 10th, we announced the name, which is the National Deer Association. Uh, you you know that uh, we've bounced a number of names off of people. I had sent a few to you and asked for your input, uh, which I appreciate. And in the end, when we picked this one, we knew it wasn't going to be a big, you know, sort of sexy name. But at the end of the day, it's a solid name, and it really picks credible yeah. on Capitol Hill, and we have to have a name that's credible uh, for guys that are out, you know, going out and climbing up in trees right now. And so the National Deer Association is it, and that that's the name going forward. So we're excited to launch that. If you haven't been there yet, you can go to our website, deerassociation.com, and it has all of the details. It has our, our new board members on there and the bios, uh, staff. Um, some of the initiatives that we're going to be working on. And so, yeah, the big rollout was a couple of days ago. Awesome. So as far as, you know, the, the name, right. Cause I'm sure there's people out there on any type of campaign where you're merging or you're coming up with a new name or you're rebranding. There are a lot of people who used to follow the national deer Alliance and used to follow the, uh, QDMA. Now you guys are all under one roof under this new brand, this new name. Um, what are you guys doing to spread the message that, Hey, we are this now. Yeah, I think we're trying to do it with every bit of communication that we do. Um, you know, it's, it's, 
there's, there's a work ahead of us. And one thing we can't do is make time go faster. So despite what we say, people are going to have to see us in action and understand kind of what we're doing. And so the one nice thing is we're not really, it's not that we're eliminating any aspect of QDMA or any aspect of the National Deer Alliance. Uh, all we've done is brought those together. So we're still very heavy in policy. And so we've been communicating a lot about policy, uh, things we're doing that, frankly, most deer hunters, they, they want to know someone's working on it, but they don't want to really care about it themselves too much. So we're doing that. Okay. Um, conservation. Yeah, our conservation work. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest swing is that we we're not just a quality deer management organization anymore. Um, we still absolutely uh, want to help people manage their lands. We'll still be on the forefront of providing education and outreach. And so we're not, we're not walking away from that at all. We're just broadening our conservation mission and making any deer hunter, regardless of what you want to shoot at or how you want to hunt, you're welcome under our roof because we need everybody going forward. So that's the message. And we're hoping to be able to really prove that over time. Okay. So you know, I think the last time that we, that we talked, we talked about short-term and long-term goals for the new organization. Um, have you guys already started some of those uh, processes or, you know, getting the ball rolling on some of that stuff? And has uh, any of those short-term or long-term uh, goals or strategies changed? No, I mean, I think we started immediately with strategic planning, which I think was a, was a wise move. Um, and so the things that we talked about the last time I was on the show that would be important to us have really remained the same. And in fact, we've, uh, through this planning process, have been able to really solidify some of the things we want to do, put some real goals behind them. So, uh, you know, again, it's the education and outreach. It's the, it's the policy work. It's working with on deer diseases. We're still going to be very much in the forefront of CWD, for example. Um, and so and field, our field to fork program. Uh, doing getting getting more deer hunters or more hunters into the woods that's been an extremely successful program we're going to certainly uh, invest in that pretty heavily so those are the focus areas and so the short term i think just getting it on paper and getting the team you know, functioning well together that's we're doing that the team has just been uh, that's that's been easy frankly Okay. Uh, now some of the longer term will be like you said before we have to we have to prove ourselves a little bit we have to get people to consider joining us that maybe never were a member of the of the national deer alliance or qdma and so that's some of the stuff we're hoping to pull off here in the longer term okay so what message do you want to share to those people who i guess haven't become a member of QDMA in the past or followed the NDA for free, right? Uh, I think the last time we talked, you mentioned there's going to be a, a small fee involved for a, a membership to this organization. What message do you want to uh, share to those people who are considering, you know, possibly joining or don't even know about you yet? Yeah, I mean, I think number one, we we really see ourselves as the the premier and leading a deer organization in the country when it comes to what we do on the ground for deer and hunters. Um, we are not what some people hit. I think with the QDMA, one of the challenges that always been is that there was a percentage of hunters that viewed them as sort of a trophy deer organization, or you had to own land to be a member. They never really were that organization, but they kind of got that tag. Well, 
uh, this transition really gives us a chance to perfect our messaging and be uh, a little bit louder about the fact that we're a conservation group, period. Yeah. And deer are the biggest piece of the pie. They generate the most money for all conservation, not just deer. So if you're if you're someone that even if you're a, a bird hunter or maybe you're someone that just likes to look at birds out your window, well, something has to pay for the management of all that wildlife and deer really are the bulk of it. And so we're a conservation organization. Uh, we'll help people manage who want to manage. Uh, but we're also every bit as interested in the person that just wants to learn how to hunt and who wants to fill their freezer because we need licensed buyers. We need healthy deer herds and it all, it just makes the whole conservation world go around. Right. So I have a question. It's, it's not a hundred percent deer related, but in a way it is. And the question is, I think recently in New, I think it's New Jersey, there's been a statewide ban on deer hunting, or uh, excuse me, on bear hunting, right? So yep. there, there was this band, then a whole bunch of bear hunters got together. They brought some facts and some science to the table. It was disregarded, and the band has now continued, right? So when I see something like that, I say to myself, Jesus, man, like, what's next you know deer hunting are are people going to come after my right to uh deer hunt or i mean and at the same time i shouldn't even think like that i should think like these people are doing nothing wrong they just want to bear hunt the science says you should bear hunt to control the population but the politicians the you know the group behind the politicians say no, no bear hunting, no bear hunting, no bear hunting. So my, I guess my question to you in a, in a weird way is, should I be worried that somebody who is completely uneducated on deer hunting is going to try to stop deer hunting? Yeah, I wish I could give you a different answer on this, Dan, but absolutely, everybody should be concerned. And I don't say that as someone who has a membership organization that's trying to scare people. Um, because you, the example you just gave is reality. That's real life. There are other states in the country you can't hunt predators. Uh, you can't hunt other things. And so or, or the ways that you hunt are limited. That can happen to deer hunting. There, as a matter of fact, there are municipalities across the country and uh, jurisdictions that don't allow deer hunting. So it already exists out there. Uh, this is this is a big part of what we want to do going forward, Dan. And I, I said this, I might have said this on your show when we talked a while back, and that is I think we're doing things right when we have people join our organization that actually don't even have any intention of shooting a deer. But they do understand what the value of deer are to conservation, and they understand that without hunters and without deer conservation, it's going to be hard to manage any wildlife. And I think that the average person – you know, some of the people that, that would maybe support the governor in New Jersey by by not allowing bear hunting, a lot of it is, I think, just because they're not educated. And it's just sort of the hoopla they fall victim to. Well, I think it's our job to educate people about deer hunting and to say, listen, for you, you may never go out and shoot a deer or want to hunt a deer, but here's why it's important. And we've never, we've never as a community really told that story. We've always just focused mostly on the people that – want to hunt or just like us. And we think we need to focus on the people that are less like us to get that message out there, to get so that the, the overwhelming majority of the people, which they do say they support hunting. Okay. But then you have these situations where 
on bears in particular, well, they're cute and cuddly and you're shooting Yogi bear. And, and then all of a sudden they get conflicted. Yeah. So the messaging is important. We need a movement for deer period, whether you hunt them or not. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's like, I just get really frustrated, especially watching the news, watching the election, watching all this, the craziness that 2020 has brought us. It just seems that people are so set in their ways that they don't even want to hear the truth anymore. They, they are blinded by something and they're just like, Nope, Nope, not going to care. I don't care what you say. I already, you know, I've already made up my mind and, you know, and that, that's a, that's a two way street. Right. But I just, I feel like when it comes to conservation and when it comes to hunting in general, it's just not one big push is going to knock down the tree, but every little ax swing and every little ax swing. And then they add up and they add up until someday it just, they have enough momentum behind them where it just all falls. And then all of a sudden, all these people who have done nothing are going like causing a huge uproar. And we're, you know, we've been trying to communicate that message to them for years and years and years. And all of a sudden in a blink of an eye, it can be gone. Yeah. This is an unhealthy time in terms of people not being open-minded. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're not all that different in age, but I'm sure you and I can both remember times where you didn't even know the politics of your neighbor. Uh, and if you did, if, if anyone ever did say anything like that was crazy old, you know, Bob down the street who was this or that, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's different now with, with social media and whatnot. And like you said, right, we'll take the politics out of it. We'll just look at science. People will, will now not even accept black and white science, good peer-reviewed science, if it doesn't meet with what they want to believe. So people are willing to create alternative facts in their mind uh, because it makes them feel better. But the reality is it's, it's, it's not real, and that's what we face with, with conservation. It's, it's, more, it's way more about the political science now than it is the biological science, and that's, that's unfortunate, but that's why we focus so heavily on policy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just for a moment, you've been to Washington, D.C., you sat in front of politicians and you have talked this message about the importance of deer hunting, uh, even CWD and all this stuff. What is the general um, attitude of I don't know if you've talked to Congress or you've talked to the Senate or to the House of you know, Representatives, um, but. What is the overall feel of the the politicians and their constituents towards hunting in general? Yeah, and so I would say in, in general, there's just a lack of education or a lack of knowledge. So I've testified in front of two congressional committees, and both times it was on chronic wasting disease. And so some of the questions you may get in these hearings are kind of like, they're kind of baffling, right? It just tells you how far or how uneducated or unaware some of these decision makers are on these issues. And so whether it be our organization, we have some, some partners that work really hard uh, that, that also help try to, all, all the major, you think of the major conservation groups out there that, that we partner with them to try to help educate decision makers on these issues because at the end of the day we need them we need them to 
to come up with with uh, with bills and funding to help us do the work that we need to do. So I would say the general it's, it's less about whether or not they support or oppose hunting. And it's just more about most of them don't know hardly anything about any of it. And yeah. that's that's kind of scary. Yeah. And that's your job to educate them. Right, my friend. Uh, us, us, along with a, with a number of our friends, yes, all yeah. of us. Frankly, you know, it's every everybody listening here. It's all yeah. of our job. That's a good yeah. point. Good point. Well, my friend, I, I think I mentioned that I wanted to keep this somewhat short. Um, is there any other information uh, about the new organization that you you, you want to get out there? Um, where to contact you? How to contact you? Where to find more information about uh, the new org? Uh, this is your time to do or say whatever you want. Yeah, no, I really I appreciate the the exposure here, Dan, and um, I would just tell people the best thing to do is go to deerassociation.com. Uh, our communications team did a fabulous job of spelling it all out right there, everything from questions and answers to, like I said, you get to meet who's on our board and learn about some of our directives. It's all right there. Check it out. And the only other thing I would say is we're running a, a new member special right now so if you haven't joined before now's a great time to do it it's 25 bucks uh so check that out too and we've we've had a really great response to that so uh join us be, be part of the movement here and you know help, help us do the job that i think we're all responsible for sounds good my friend well nick uh thank you for taking time out of your day and good luck in the pa woods man all right thank you dan good talking to you And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Nick for taking time out of his day. Please go check out this new organization. Uh, I really appreciate um, you guys for tuning in and listening, although this isn't, you know, a a strategy type episode. But I think it's it's very important because at the end of the day, we need to start giving back just a little bit more. uh, And that's up to you on what you do. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be uh, a part of this organ, this new organization. This is just one way to give back and it's on you. It's on us. Really. It's on all of us to give back so that future generations have the availability and the opportunity to do what we do. And that's why we share our passion with our children and the new hunters and young hunters. And, uh, so there's that huge shout out to all the partners of the nine finger chronicles the average conservationist vortex optics ozonics wasp and lone wolf tree stands please go out and support the companies that support this podcast and i'll tell you right now each one of those products that i just ripped off or brands that i just ripped off make some really kick-ass products that are are functional in the woods and uh i'm not going to say they're going to help you shoot a big buck because that's impossible but they make decision making easier they make the your your efficiency from the truck to the timber easier and uh just some really kick-ass products man and uh i don't know i like to use them but other than that guys really appreciate your time thank you very much be sure to subscribe to the nine finger chronicles podcast be sure to follow me on instagram and facebook and other than that man hopefully you guys are finding success in the timber if not get your butt in a tree stand or a ground blind uh it's almost gun season, so uh, get prepared for your uh, your gun seasons. And uh, man, good luck, and we'll talk to you later.